Hello and welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alerts podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Elliot Bowman and I'm joined by Suman Naishadam. Hello everyone. And Joe Cease. Hey, how's it going? Today's topic, turning trash into treasure. On today's program, we're looking at several organizations that turn literal trash into treasure through composting and recycling programs that generate revenue and help communities become more environmentally sustainable. We'll also talk with a business development expert about how startups can grow their businesses without killing the planet. But first, we'll dive into this week's headlines. Let's speak startup. Two local venture capital firms, Cultivation Capital and KC Rise Fund, are getting national attention. In a new report listing the most active venture capital firms in each state, CB Insights recognized Cultivation Capital in Missouri and KC Rise Fund in Kansas. In another new list from CB Insights, Kansas City financial technology firm C2FO was named a future unicorn. The company is one of 50 firms across the world projected to reach a billion-dollar valuation, according to the report. Two state senators in Missouri want to tax online stores like Amazon in an effort to boost Missouri retailers struggling to compete with online vendors. Republican senators have suggested making retailers pay a Missouri-specific sales tax on anything delivered to the state. According to Governor Mike Parson, a sales tax economic nexus could generate between $100 and $150 million in additional revenue for the state. A Michigan-based nonprofit tech business incubator called 20 Fathoms will start a nationwide experiment in building up the rural tech economy in Cape Girardeau and eight other small towns across the nation. The program aspires to create small enclaves of density and collaboration, as well as a competitive labor pool of skilled tech workers. Pride St. Louis and Serenity Strategy Network, two St. Louis area startups, want to demystify the college application process for local LGBTQ students. According to the Center for Disease Control, LGBTQ students are more at risk for mental health problems. Serenity started ranking the resources local colleges provide to LGBTQ students after its founder discovered that self-reported data from colleges and universities are often misleading. The database evaluates things like health care, retention, housing, and resource centers for LGBTQ students. Washington University is the only school to receive an A rating so far. St. Louis-born rapper Chingy teamed up with the St. Louis voice tech company Voice XP to market new songs and share information about the MC with Amazon's Alexa. The initiative won first place in the Alexa Awards competition, a contest where tech companies develop innovative uses for the AI program. I didn't even know Chingy still made rap music. Did you guys? Honestly, I think Holiday Inn is like one of the best rap songs ever produced. Okay. Yeah, it really brings me back. Back to 2003? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, maybe Amazon's Alexa will help Chingy come back to the mainstream. That right there was our headlines, and our next guest is only one call away. For our first interview, we look at Kansas City, where Suman spoke with Desiree Moniz, CEO and Executive Director of Avenue of Life. Suman, what did you and Desiree talk about? Avenue of Life is an interesting organization. They're a community-based nonprofit that works with low-income families and the homeless in Kansas City. Their mattress recycling program fits squarely with what we're talking about this week, turning trash into treasure and helping businesses in the community become environmentally sustainable. Oh yeah, and how did it get its start? The program launched in 2013 when it partnered with the Kansas City government through MARC, a nonprofit association of city and county governments, The program sells the commodities from used mattresses and box springs that can be used to manufacture new products. Let's see what Desiree had to say. 
Can you tell me what got you started with mattress recycling? How did you identify this opportunity and when? Sure. Avenue of Life is focused, um, it's a nonprofit that's focused on community development. Mm -hmm. And so we um, take the collective impact approach to solving complex social issues. When we first launched in Missouri, uh, we were approached by the solid, Mark Solid Waste District mm -hmm. and by our um, a, a city council member who asked if we'd be interested in looking at mattress recycling for the state of Missouri. And at the time when we started, we were not, um, we had not considered mattress recycling. It wasn't part of our initial strategy, yeah. but it was something that the state needed. And so they just asked for me to consider looking at other models around the country and seeing if it, in fact, fit our uh, collective impact model or community development model to make an impact in our community in the urban core. Were there other businesses and startups that you modeled Avenue of Life on? There was a model um, in Oregon and California that we went out to see. They had incorporated other elements outside of just mattress recycling to ensure that they'd be sustainable. And we considered the model that they had and ended up uh, launching with just mattress recycling mm -hmm. with our first layer um, and later brought in the wood shop where we used recycle wood and then those items are sold. They're signs or uh, dog beds, cat beds, and they're just made out of the extra wood. Where does your funding come from? We started out, because we're a nonprofit, we were able to get some initial investors, including the Mark Solid Waste District, mm -hmm. but we got private uh, donors to invest in uh, equipment, um, alongside the Solid Waste District, the MDNR gave us some funding, and we renovated and prepared the site, uh, which really removed a lot of the expense in that when we started, our equipment was all paid for in full. The city of Kansas City, Missouri, donated um, at a very reduced price a old building that was abandoned and allowed us to renovate it. We're in a 20-year lease. Uh, to do mattress recycling as part of the strategy with the community. How big of a market would you say there is for mattress recycling in Kansas City? What kind of revenue is there in this? So we launched in 2013 knowing that it was not a, a money-making type initiative. It was more of an environmental and community-wide impact initiative yeah. and would provide jobs for people that we were serving there at Durban Poor. So our, we're hoping that we had a five-year plan for sustainability. We were able to see that the mattress recycling could be sustainable by year three. We um, began to charge tipping fees within the community to offset the additional expenses of the labor and um, equipment, uh, managing our equipment. And at that point, our city was ready to pay to recycle their mattresses and began to pay per item, which offset our expenses. And at year five, we are now sustainable. It brings in the income to pay for laborers and for the expenses of mattress recycling. From a business and environmental standpoint, why do you think it's important to do something that helps Kansas City stay sustainable? Well, we work in the urban core to invest in families and to make the community a better place. So to be able to impact these men and their families in the next generation, to be able to impact the environment, the landfills, and reducing workman comp claims with mattresses and 
just to beautify the area. Um, that That's a win missionally for us, and it's completely in line with what we get up to do every day. Thanks, Desiree, for talking to us. Have a nice day. All right. Have a lovely day. For our next interview, we keep it in Kansas City, where Joe spoke to Meredith McAllister, co-owner of Compost Collective KC, a waste management company that collects food scraps that are then turned into nutrient-rich soil. Compost Collective strives to make environmental sustainability a major part of how they run their business. Yeah, and we really had a great conversation, and she had a lot to say. Check it out. I'm here with Meredith McAllister, co-owner of Compost Collective KC, a Kansas City-based waste management company that collects food scraps and then turns them into nutrient-rich dirt, or in other words, black gold. For those who are not familiar, what is it that Compost Collective KC does for its clients? So we actually provide our clients with a bucket, either a three and a half or five gallon size, and a liner, and it has a lid, and you fill it up with your food scraps, and then... Every week we go and collect all of your food scraps, take it to either a local farm or composting facility, and then they turn it into compost. Cool. Um, And and I'd love to talk about Compost Collective KC's origin story. Uh, And on your website it says Compost Collective KC started off as, as most great ideas do over drinks and friends. So how about taking me back to the beginning? Sure. So my husband and I actually, even before we moved to Kansas City, we were living in Boston and we were subscribers of this service and like a very similar business idea and loved it. Loved that we were able to so easily throw away our food scraps and keep it out of the landfill. Um, fast forward a little bit, we moved to Kansas City. We both got really busy with our corporate jobs. And as time went on, we kept thinking like this is something that would be so beneficial to Kansas City. And we thought that we could do it if we just had a little bit extra time and um, after living here for a couple of years, we were able to shift some things around and we were just talking with some friends like, why don't we do this? Why can't we just like start it and like put our feelers out there and see if anybody was interested? So we did, we reached out to our, um, neighborhood first and kind of said, is this a service that anybody here would be interested in? And we were actually really overwhelmed with how many people said that they would love to do something like this. And that's, we started, I think, with maybe 20 customers. Um, and we thought that was just like the best. We thought that was so great. And we were just in our little neighborhood and it just slowly expanded from there. Okay. So, so the people who uh, are paying for your service, they, they get a compost back in return later or how does that work? We do, yeah. So right now um, we collect all their food waste and then we give it to, like I said, either the farm or facility and then um, at least once a year, we provide our compost give back, which um, is coming up in April. And so we will offer up to 25 pounds of compost back to our customers. And this is compost that is coming from um, Missouri Organic, which is one of the facilities doing an incredible job making compost. So it's just a little thank you for being a subscriber and benefit to being doing your part. How has uh, sustainability or being a sustainable business affected composting collective KC's bottom line? Yeah, so we, I mean, I think that it's often, especially now, it can be more challenging to um, improve your bottom line and be, like, to do the more sustainable option. I know sometimes for businesses it can be a lot more expensive to use maybe a compostable plates over styrofoam, for example. 
Um, and I think the same can be true for us. It can be more challenging to to choose a more sustainable route, um, but it's just something that is so important to us. It's, um, I mean, for us, we we want to make sure that we are providing a really great service to our customers, and we're making this all really easy for them. And that's really the biggest thing is that we want to make this easy for people to compost so that the, that's it becomes something that's natural to them. And that's how we have been able to grow is by offering a service that's convenient for that, for our customers. And um, they start to realize the value and importance of throwing their banana peels in just a different bucket rather than the trash. For sure. And how does Compost Collective KC help other businesses and organizations such as uh, those that you partner with, like uh, Missouri Organics and, and the local farms you partner with? Um, how, how, how does the company help them be more sustainable and as well as profitable? Sure. So we try, I mean, we try to work with small businesses even beyond the farms. And in Missouri Organic, we try to find other small businesses that are open to composting and work with them. As for the farms in Missouri Organic, we're able to bring them really great pure food waste that they are able to, for the farm, they're able to turn that into compost that then they use on their farm, which produces really incredible produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Missouri Organic, similar thing, they're, they aren't, they don't have a farm that they're using it for, but they're able to produce the compost that they in turn can sell to their customers. So, and then that's, we actually purchase some of the compost from them to give to our customers. So it's just a nice circle that we're trying to form. Cool. Um, so I, I guess another question, an obvious question I want to ask is, uh, where, do, where do you want to see the company go? And in what ways do you anticipate expanding your services to influence your bottom line while at the same time providing a useful service to your clients? Sure. Um, so over the next year or so, our biggest area of expansion is, is exactly that, is just expanding in the Kansas City metro. Right now, we are uh, picking up like a fairly large range or fairly large area of the city, but we hope to expand that. We hope to make composting more accessible to Kansas City residents, and so that's what, really what we're focusing on is how do we get to those areas in the city that are not able to have curbside composting quite yet, but we're focused on how do we, how do we grow, how do we keep expanding our reach. In the first few interviews of the program, we spoke to organizations that have made environmental sustainability their mission. However, it will take more than the work of individual companies from Missouri startup cities to grow in a way that's friendly to the planet. We're looking at sustainable business development in our final interview with Green Street St. Louis's VP of Real Estate Operations, Brian Pratt. Brian, thank you for joining the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about the Green Street's company history and sort of their mission as well? So we were founded 10 years ago by Phil Hulse, our managing principal and founder. And he's been in the real estate business for close to 30 years and decided to focus on urban um, projects that have a sustainability component as a part of the development platform. Um, So we primarily work in the city of St. Louis and um, near suburbs, and our projects have a sustainability component, whether that's officially certified as a lead project, for example, or integrating renewable uh, energy sources such as solar. 
Awesome. And what specific things does Green Street do to make businesses more environmentally sustainable? You mentioned the LEED certifications. Can you tell the audience what those are and sort of other things that you guys do to look to make your companies and the, your clients uh, more environmentally efficient? So as a real estate company, um, we work with our tenants in our building to create unique spaces that fit their, their business needs. I mean, real estate's often extension of the brand or the operations, clearly, uh, of, of a business. It's also critical for talent attraction. And in many cases, um, you know, our tenants are focused on their business, their mission, and aren't familiar with how a, a building can be sustainable and feature energy-efficient-saving features. So as we design their space, we interact with who they are, what their workflow processes need to look like, and what their employee um, recruitment and spaces need to be in order to, to have a high-quality space and, and function. And we tailor our construction and design to integrate those things. For example, we may have a company that is a lab facility that has a very high use of energy. And so we would do our best to design the building to mitigate some of those energy costs by using higher efficiency heating and cooling systems. We may also integrate uh, solar energy to offset the, the uh, utility function necessary to fund and, and create the, the, uh, the energy for those lab spaces. In addition, we'd like to bring in natural light so that uh, employees and, and their visitors feel a connection to the outdoors and seems to resonate with employees as well as uh, customers of those businesses. So those are a few examples. Yeah, and why is sustainable business development important in a startup environment like St. Louis, where there's a lot of different businesses, a lot of new businesses coming out every day? So there's a lot of business development, but why is it important to make sure we keep that environmentally sustainable? Well, we have limited resources, and you know, I think the great thing about working in an urban environment is there are there is an existing infrastructure of really wonderful buildings. Um, that can be adaptively reused, and that's really one of our specialties. We tend to take existing buildings that maybe were used for one purpose, such as manufacturing, and we'll repurpose those buildings by using uh, many of the existing materials, but certainly the, the bones, as we call them, the structural integrity of the building, in order to convert it into an office, for example, or into a, a retail uh, opportunity. And in doing so, you're repurposing, recycling, um, you're keeping those existing connections between neighbors and business centers and employment centers creates more of a walkable environment. All good practices in, in today's um, real estate environment. Turning one company's trash into another company's treasure. Certainly, and if there are things that we can't use specific to our project, we do our best to find a, a source or a way to redeploy those um, those materials for another use that can be used in somebody else's project. And how are these efforts of sustainable development reflected in a company's bottom line? Does it increase or decrease costs or profits? What are the financial impacts of the of making sure that your company is developing environmentally uh, sustainable practices? You know, it, it depends whether there's an upfront cost or not. We like to think that sustainable design is smart design, generally speaking, and that most of the time, the, uh, the marginal cost of doing sustainable enhancements to a building, the payback is very short in the sense that a lot of our customers reside in the building for 10 plus years. 
and the savings in energy costs, uh, work loss days of employees being out sick and being able to avoid those in a healthier building, things like that quickly offset any upfront costs associated with increasing the efficiency levels of uh, heating and, and cooling systems or putting in more insulation into the building's roof or uh, using a higher quality and, and energy efficient window, for example. My last question is sort of an advice question. So what are some of the most important things startup companies, either if they're working with you or sort of doing their own thing independently, what are the most important things they can do to create or grow an environmentally sustainable business? What sort of advice would you give to these companies? Well, there are some great resources available. The U.S. Green Building Council, for example, the USGBC has local chapters throughout the state of Missouri um, that provide educational opportunities for companies to learn about sustainability, how it can be integrated into their, their business. Um, there are also other centers that are educational institutions that have sustainability schools and systems and educational opportunities that way. And then really getting out and, and learning about who else in your, uh, in your field or your peer company groups are doing sustainability and reaching out to them to find out more about the initiatives that they've undertaken, the growth process, what, what have been good returns on investment for their attention and time. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining the program. Have a great day. Thank you. Now let's talk about important numbers and entrepreneurship news in this week's edition of Can I Get Your Digits? Joe, can I get your digits? You sure can, Elliot. My figure stems from my interview and involves composting. About half of all the trash people set out on the curb is compostable. 21% of that is food scraps alone. The rest is a mixture of paper or paperboard, yard trimmings, and wood waste. Elliot, let me get them digits. My number is $125 million. During the first 10 months of 2018, that's the amount of money in private investment that went to startups looking to reduce America's food waste, according to a report from nonprofit Refed. Some companies have developed innovative ways to extend the shelf life of produce, while others work directly with restaurants and groceries to manage and often donate excess inventory. My number is $218 billion. That's how much U.S. consumers, businesses, and farms spend in a year on growing, processing, transporting, and disposing food that is never eaten, according to Refed. Next, we're checking our date book for workshops, conferences, and other startup events around the state in the coming week. Orientation for Kansas City's LaunchU program will take place next Tuesday, February 19th at UMKC's Small Business and Technology Development Center from 6 to 7 p.m. LaunchU is an eight-week course with over 100 locations across the U.S. The program looks to help budding entrepreneurs not only start their business but succeed. Participants will learn from industry experts everything they need to know to build a successful startup. This free orientation is recommended for anyone interested in this year's program. The Kauffman Foundation is also providing a couple workshops Thursday morning from 9 a.m. to noon in their conference center in Kansas City. One workshop will go over the legal basics for small businesses. The other will focus on developing an online presence in the age of social media. We'll end our program about environmentally sustainable entrepreneurship with a quote from Nobel Prize winning scientist Dan Schechtman. He reminds us, sustainable development requires human ingenuity. People are the most important resource. That does it for this week's edition of Speaking Startup for Missouri Business Alert. Thanks, guys. It's been real. Speak to you next time.